Joshua chapter 3 Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about two thousand cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Sarathan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Amen. This morning's reading is taken from Joshua chapter 4 and we'll read from verse 1 and we'll read to the entire chapter. 
When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. Then then the people passed over in haste, and when all the people had finished passing over, the Ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the Lord. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as he had stood in the awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when he dried it up for us until you passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Amen. Well, thank you to Ruth and Charlotte for reading God's word to us this morning. Are we there yet? I wonder, um, have you heard those words? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? 
and the experience of many children enduring either a short or long car journey. It must have been something of the feeling of the people of Israel. Are we there yet? They had spent 430 years in Egypt, then 40 years in the wilderness. And all the under 20s who were left, they must have been asking, are we there yet? We come to chapters 3 and 4 in Joshua, and, and we're getting there. We are finally getting to the point where God's people are wanting to be, to cross the river and take the land that God is giving them. I said at the beginning of this study that the book of Joshua could be divided up with four words. um, Cross, take, divide, and serve. And this morning we will finish that first section, cross, crossing the Jordan. And the rest of our time this year in Joshua, chapters 5 to 12, will be spent on take, taking the land. But chapters 3 and 4 describe to us God's people um, crossing the the Jordan River to set foot in the area of Canaan, promised land. As you read through Joshua 3 and 4, you may find the information um, a bit difficult to piece together. The information is not all in order exactly as it happened. We get the details of the crossing in chapter 3, then we move on to what happened after that in chapter 4, but then we come back in chapter 4 and get more details of the actual crossing. But again, as I always say, um, please keep your Bibles open, please follow along with me this morning, and as we piece this together, I trust we will see the wonders that God has done. So we'll take three headings this morning. Um, Firstly, preparation, um, chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Then crossing, chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. And chapter 4, verses 10 to 18. And then remembrance, chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, and verses 19 to 24. So firstly, preparation. We have seen in the past two weeks that God has been preparing his people by reassuring them of his promise and his presence. And here in chapters 3 and 4, God's presence is emphasised more than ever. And also we see God's promise is being fulfilled. I want you to notice the references to the Ark of the Covenant. First mentioned in chapter 3, verse 2. Look at that with me. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. The Ark of the Covenant was the the symbol of God's presence and power with his people. In verse 3, the Ark of the Covenant 
is mentioned twice in verse 3. It is mentioned twice in verse 4. You will also see it twice in verse 6, and then once in verse 8. And then notice verse 11. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. And again, chapter 3, verse 13, the ark of the Lord. These two references even more explicit. This is the Lord of all the earth who is with you, whose power is working for you. And then you'll see it again, verse 14, twice in verse 15, and once in verse 17. And if we look over to chapter 4, notice chapter 4, verse 5, the ark of the Lord your God. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 7, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. In verse 9, the ark of the covenant. Verse 10, the ark. In verse 11, the ark of the Lord. And notice verse verse 13 from chapter 4. About 40,000 ready for war, passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. In verse 16, the Ark of the Testimony, and here putting more emphasis on, on the Law of the Covenant. And finally, chapter 4, 18, the Ark of the Covenant. See, God's power and presence is with his People, can't be emphasized enough. God is going. God is doing this. And this is his people's assurance. So back to chapter 3, you'll notice verse 4. There is to be a distance between the ark and the people. We read, do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go. For ye have not passed this way before. Now there are perhaps two reasons for this distance. Firstly, keep a distance so the ark could be seen better by the people, which seems to be the most natural reading here. But also perhaps a distance of, of, of respect, that recognition of the holiness of God an awareness of of the one who who was leading them, the the Lord of all the earth, the one whose power and presence was with them. And notice verse 5. Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, the people have a fierce task ahead of them. They have to cross a turbulent river, and then they have to face a harsh battle. But as we observe from chapter 1, the focus on their preparation for this crossing and battle is spiritual preparation. Joshua commands the people to consecrate themselves. This would mean keeping themselves away from anything unclean, separating themselves, focusing on holiness as God is holy. 
As they prepare to, to see God move, to do wonders among them, they are to focus on holiness, godliness, being like God. As we today live our lives in the presence of the Lord, as we follow him, in other words, as we live the Christian life, the best way we can prepare for any given day is to focus on, strive for holiness, godliness, obedience to God as he has laid out in his word. I wonder what difference it would make to us if we could just have a better grasp of um, a better awareness that we live life in the presence of God. The Lord of heaven and earth. Knowing that we are living day and daily in the presence of God, how might that make a difference to the way we live? The decisions we make. The things we do. The things we say. So I wonder, do you expect God to work and move and do wonders among you? Well, let's ask, what, what is God doing in our lives? Well, he's bringing us to a land and giving us rest, as he promised us. And on the way to that, his power and presence is with us, sanctifying us, making us more like Jesus Christ until the day when we will be like him, without sin and unable to sin. God is taking messed up people like me, messed up sinful people like all of us, and making them like his perfect son. This is the wonder that God is doing among us. So this is what God is doing. What can we do? Strive for holiness, obedience. You want to see God move and do wonders in our church? Then together we strive for holiness, obedience to him. So Joshua gives instructions to the people. Then he gives instructions to the priests, verse 6. He says, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. God's power and presence is with his people to fulfill his promise. And the Lord wants his people to know this. And so he says to Joshua, look at verse 7. He says, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So God said, I am going to do wonders so that my people will know I am with them. And again, God gave Joshua instructions for the priests carrying the ark. Verse 8, he says, when they come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And then Joshua speaks to the people, verse 10. He says, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. 
and that he will without fail drive out from before you. And then he gives a list of all the, the people groups he will drive out, he will defeat for his people. He says, this is how you can know God's presence is with you and his promise will be fulfilled. He says, the priests carrying the ark will go before you into the Jordan. And verse 13, when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, just like the priests have been directed. When they do this, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So the waters of the river Jordan are going to stop. This is the wonders that God is going to do. And if the waters stop, then God's people can be assured that God is with you. And if God is able to stop the waters of the Jordan, then his people can be assured that God will be able to drive out their enemies before them. See, look at what God has done. Trust him for what he will do. Isn't it such a shame? That those who had to die in the wilderness couldn't use the same logic. They couldn't look back to the parting of the Red Sea and, and know the living God of heaven and earth was able to fulfill what he had promised. Listen to some words from Romans 8. What then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, today we look at God's wonders at the cross of Jesus Christ. Christ died in our place. He took the punishment for our sin and, and rose again, guaranteeing us life forever. Now think about it. If God did not spare his own son, but was willing to sacrifice him for us, then surely we can trust him to complete what he has begun, to see us through to heaven. Now we don't know what this journey to heaven may look like. Some days may be good, some days may be pretty easy going, some days we'll enjoy. Some days we'll be full of trials. Some days we'll have strong, strong temptation. Some days will seem very difficult to bear. Some days we'll feel like we'll never see it. Some days may just be full of confusion. God sacrificed his son for us that we would have his power and presence with us and that we could have assurance of his promise. We have God's promise and presence today. So what do we do? We trust him for full salvation. 
trust him to bring us to heaven. And we obey him until then. Secondly then, crossing. And here we're going to look in chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, and also chapter 4, verses 10 to 18. Now this is the moment we have been waiting for. In verses 14 to 6 in chapter 3, the pace slows down, and the writer builds anticipation and suspense of what God is going to do. It made me think a bit about um, Christmas morning. Um, kids wake up and of course all they want to do is go downstairs and see what presents are there for them. Whenever they come in and mum and dad might say, oh, it's, it's too early yet, you need to go back to bed. And then they finally get up at the right time and maybe one gets up and mum and dad will say, oh no, we have to wait for your brother and sister to get up. They're not up yet. And then perhaps everyone's up and they have to get dressing gowns on, they have to get slippers on, then mum and dad want to get a camera set up, then maybe mum wants to run down and put the heat on and come back up again, and they say, so I better check the turkey when I'm here. And all these things just keep going and keep going, and all the children want to do is to get downstairs and tear open the presents. And all these little things just seem like an age. And in verses 14, we get a little bit of that anticipating frustration here in these verses. Look at verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and we're thinking, yes, we, we know that's going to happen now. Let's see, are they going to get across the river? And verse 15, as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan. Yes, and then what's going to happen? And the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. And we're thinking, yes, we, we know that's going to happen too, but are they going to get across the river? And you can see how the writer's just drawing us out. And then the writer takes to explain a bit of geography to us. He says, now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the time of harvest. He's drawing us out even again. Now this tells us it was rainy season. The river had overflowed its banks. Um, the river at, at this time could have been up to one mile wide, um, up to about 12 feet deep. Uh, and the river at this time was at its most turbulent. Okay, It wasn't a calm stream, it was a raging torrent. And what this simply tells us is that the river was impossible to cross. But then we read verse 16. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Starathon. And that's about 20 miles north from where they were. And those flowing down toward the sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, they were completely cut off. Now that's about 20 miles south from where they were. And people passed over opposite Jericho. Look at verse 17. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over 
the Jordan. We're told in chapter 4.10 the people passed over in haste. If it was me, I think I'd be sprinting. We're told in chapter 4.11 that the priests remained standing until all the people had passed. They were the last ones to cross. We see verse 12 that those three tribes that, that had land at the east side, they remained true to their word and crossed over with the rest of God's people. And all these little details help us to build a picture of the scene that day. But what does this all tell us? Well, it tells us that what is impossible with man is possible with God. God's power and presence has fulfilled God's promise. God is faithful. Notice um, chapter 3, verse 13. God said to Joshua, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they will know I am with them. And then look over to chapter 4, verse 14. On that day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. God enabled Joshua to bring the people over the Jordan so they could trust Joshua to lead them on and so that they would know that God was with them. See, God is faithful to his promises. I look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua 3, 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then look down to 3, 16. The waters stood up to the north, and they stopped flowing to the south. And then cross over again to chapter 4, 19. The people came up out of the joy. God did wonders among his people. See, God is faithful to his promises. And we could go on. Remember God promised Abraham about 500 years ago before that he would give his people a land and rest. And now we see God is doing it. Because God is Faithful to his promises. People were prepared. They crossed over. And thirdly, remembrance. We look at this from chapter 4, verse 1 to 10, and also chapter 4, verses 21 to 24. The Lord commanded Israel to remember the wonders he had done. Look at verse 1, chapter 4. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from every place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And then verse 4, 
Joshua called twelve men from the people of Israel and told them what they were to do. And then verse 8, the people of Israel did just as Joshua had commanded. We see this pattern clearly, which we've marked out before. That the Lord speaks to Joshua, Joshua speaks to the people, and then the people obey. But the fact that God commanded a memorial suggests that this was a unique moment. It was a unique display of God's power that that his people weren't going to see every day, uh, and this display should be remembered. And this physical memorial of the stones, it serves a great purpose. Look at verse 6. It says, This memorial is to be a sign among you. So when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And then look down to verse 23. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that ye may fear the Lord your God forever. So it's a visible sign here, and it is to be a means of speaking to the next generations of all that the Lord has done. And you can see how this, this works out. Perhaps say a family are walking and, and kids say to the parent, well, Dad, well, what are these stones here about? And to the parent, it's an opportunity to, to speak about what God has done. And as God's people talk about what God has done, this is to be the means by which the peoples of the earth, all nations, will come to know who God is and all that he has done. And as God's people tell of what God has done, they are drawn to fear God, to worship God. You see, for God's people to continue to live in obedience, to worship him, and for other nations to come to know God, they need a continual reminder of what God has done. See, God wasn't going to stop the flow of the Jordan River every day. But God's people can talk day and daily about what God has done. It's to be part of just everyday life, all their comings and goings. And this is the ordinary means by which they would continue to be faithful to God. And for us today, Jesus has been crucified for our sins. He has been raised again and he will return to give us land and rest. And so too, part of our everyday life, at home, at work, our comings and goings, whatever they may be, 
Part of everyday life should be talking about what God has done. Making the impossible possible. Making sinful men able to be in the presence of a holy God forever. Our life together as God's people here where we're known as Craig Adam Baptist should be marked by talking about the wonders that God has done in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God has given the church today a visible sign. We have the Lord's Supper and baptism which speak, which point to the wonders that God has done. I remember the first time Patrick, my son, um, saw a baptism. He was just two years old and um, he, he stripped down to his vest in church because he thought he was getting into the tank for a swim. These things are intriguing for children. The Lord's Supper is intriguing for children. You know, they, they will ask, well, why do you do this? Can we do this? Who can do this? See, it's good for children to see these visible signs. Whether they immediately understand them or not, it provides us the opportunity to talk about and to teach what God has done. I think as we strive to be faithful to God, we often want big displays of power. We want that to be our norm. So, well, if we see that, if we experience that, well, well then we can continue to be faithful. We don't need great displays of power every day to be faithful to God. We need faithful reminders of God's greatest display of power in Jesus Christ. At normal times we would be sharing in the Lord's Supper each week. This is good. This is a consistent reminder of what God has done. The focus of our Sunday meetings is Bible teaching. To be told again and again and again of what God has done. Because that's what we need to live another week faithful to God in obedience and worship. That's why we continually try to encourage gospel conversations with each other. That's why on some Sunday evenings we we take it in turns to tell of, of God's work in our lives. We talk to each other in the family of God about all that God has done and what difference this makes to the circumstances of our lives. Because that's how we encourage each other to be faithful to God with consistent, faithful reminders. And as God's people talk about the wonders God has done, that's the same means today by which the nations will come to know who God is and all that he has done in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to finish with chapter 4, verse 19. The people came out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Tenth day of the first month, this was the same day that God's people began to leave Egypt. Forty years ago, 
That then marked the beginning of Israel's deliverance from slavery. And now here in Joshua 4, this then marks the beginning of their inheritance of God's freedom and rest. God is faithful. Let's pray together. Our Father in God, we, we come to you again. And again we say, who is like you in all the earth? No one works like you. No one has great salvation like yours. And yet here are we that you would be mindful of us and set your love upon us and bring us to yourself and give us hope and life and rest forever. We thank you that you're the God of the impossible. We thank you that you're with your people today, even as you were many years ago. We thank you that we live life in your presence and power. Father, we ask that you would give us an awareness of that day by day. And that that awareness of life with you in your presence would change the way we live. May we gladly, naturally speak about your wonders, speak about all that you have done in our lives. May we encourage each other with faithful reminders. May we worship you. May we glory in your name. We pray through Jesus Christ. Amen.